This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. Hello, aviators. Welcome to the Flight Time series by Hangar Talk and Flight Training Magazine, where we bring you the exciting world of aviation. Each show, we will revisit a popular Hangar Talk interview for the flight training audience. I'm Jennifer Nahn, Senior Manager of Media Relations and Public Affairs at AOPA. This episode, we speak with instructor and flight school owner Jamie Patterson-Symes. Jamie's flight school, SkyTrek Alaska, won the award for Best School in the Country from AOPA's Flight Training Experience Awards. She's a passionate advocate for expanding aviation to non-represented populations. AOPA's associate web editor, David Toulis, caught up with Jamie to discuss everything from working at Walmart to support an instructor's salary to the joys of bringing flight to a new generation. You can find out more at SkyTrekAlaska.com. Flight Time is brought to you by AOPA. Go to AOPA.org for more, and if you're not a member, make sure to push that Join button while you're there. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. All right, David, take it away. All right, we're going to welcome via Skype Jamie Patterson-Sims, the AOPA Flight Excellence Award-winning flight school from SkyTrek Alaska Flight Training. Thanks, David. It's good to be with you. Well, we're glad you're here. Congratulations, first of all, on winning that award. I know that kind of came as a surprise. We were talking a little bit uh, off audio on that, but uh, congratulations, and I hope that this year will be another great year for you. Thank you. It's a great honor, and I just uh, love working with my students. They're just uh, amazing individuals, and it's just so much fun to uh, see the joy and excitement when they're training. It's just a fun experience for everybody. Outstanding. Well, look, let's uh, let our podcast listeners know exactly where you're located in Alaska. Go ahead and, and give us the details, and we'll also remind them that they could find you at SkytrekAlaska.com. Yes, yes. Um, I'm located uh, in Anchorage, Alaska at Merrill Field, and the field was born back in 1931, and it's just a really fun place to train. We have uh, class Delta airspace, and it's sandwiched um, between 
the second busiest cargo airport in the nation and the fifth busiest in the world, which is Anchorage International Airport. Then we have um, the busiest seaplane base in the world and right next to Elmendorf Air Force Base with their F-22. So we do have special Part 93 special airspace rules here in Anchorage. And so it makes it real fun and challenging to fly here right next to the mountains too. You know, I've been to Anchorage one time. Way back when, I was a, a photojournalist in Atlanta, and then we I went to Anchorage, and I definitely remember it because the seaplane runway area, if you will, is basically adjacent to the airport, correct? Yes, yes, it's right next to it. Um, we have uh, Lake Hood Airport is borders Anchorage International, and so they share um, a border, and um, the airport traffic tower, actually, they have one person facing Anchorage International controlling all the big heavies, and on the other side of the tower, they have one tower controller that faces um, Lake Hood Airport and controls that class Delta surface area over there. So it's a uh, pretty busy. It's a pretty busy airspace. Well, that's a and it's an incredible place to uh, to fly and to learn to fly. But now you and I started our conversation earlier because I was asking you about some key tips to night flying uh, in the Alaska area. And you sent me a whole bunch uh, via email, which I appreciate, and they were just outstanding. But since then, I, sp- I spoke to some other folks here, and I looked into a little bit more about um, your award, and I found out that you are very key in helping promote women in aviation. So I wondered, would you mind if we called an audible and we talked a little bit about women in aviation? Oh, that would be fine. That would be uh, just fine. I it's one of my passions is getting more women involved in aviation and flying. I really have a great connection with women who want to learn how to fly. Well, tell me a little bit about your background. I know that you had some challenges uh, in aviation uh, starting out. So just go ahead and uh, you know, close your eyes and think back, back then and tell me a little bit about what it was like to begin your flying career and, and and you know we can kind of transition into you know how things are today starting out um how you got going and then were you encouraged were you not encouraged you know how did that how did that happen okay well it was something that i always wanted to do since i was a very very small child and so my first experience was um, in the civil air patrol back i went to solo encampment back in uh, 1983 and i saved up the entire summer to go for my 10 days and learn how to fly an airplane, got ground school, went, it was room and board and all my meals, all the flying I could get in until we soloed, and it was $200. So um, I fall summer, and I did that in August of uh, 1983, and then I eventually made my way to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and went there and got my ratings and graduated from there in 1992. So it was, it was really difficult. Um, there was a lot of barriers. They weren't very helpful. Um, I did not come from a background of flying. Um, I didn't have an aviation background. No one in my family had flown before. And so I didn't have that connection that a lot of the other guys at the school had. And so I wish I had had a mentor or someone to help me with the process of what do I do next? What do I do with this rating? How can I get ahead? And there wasn't that type of 
um, aviation coach, if you will, some something that could help lead you by the hand. Right. There wasn't a coach or a mentor or somebody to help me through or tell me, you know, this is if you do this next, then it'll get you to your next spot. And it just seemed like I was almost stymied, or there were barriers at every um, at every level. And so I'm pretty adventurous. And um, in 1995, I after banging my head against a wall and working at Walmart for there was uh, 13 of us flight instructors in 1992 and 1993 working at Walmart in Prescott, Arizona. Oh, my. And, yes, it was the really, it was a very low, low point of, of hiring pilots um, in the United States. Because of, uh, of economic start circumstances as well back in the mid-'90s. Right, right. And so, you know, it was um, very difficult to get any flying job back then. And so I came up, I bought a one-way ticket on April Fool's Day of 1995 and made my way to Anchorage, Alaska with one duffel bag. And I knew that there were jobs up here, and so I started beating the bushes, and I stayed at the youth hostel downtown, and I got a job flight instructing in Anchorage. And it was fantastic. The flying up here was just amazing and people were very nice they were outgoing i was new to the block and so people were um very they were trying to be really helpful up here and it, it was really good flight instructing i really enjoyed it and then i decided that i wanted to get a little bit more experience actually you know some pic left seat pic instead of right seat pic and i headed out headed out to Bethel, Alaska. Now, where is that? That's like, what, four or 500 miles, what, west or north? Right. It's about 400 miles west of Anchorage, and it's only accessible by aircraft. And so it's about the size of Oregon. There's about 58 villages out there, and it's one of the, it's, I think it's the second busiest airport in the state of Alaska. And so it's a hub for all those 58 villages, and so we have to fly supplies and people and cargo and coffins um, out to uh, these different villages, and it's actually larger than the state of Oregon, the territory out there. And so you're flying all day long. That's huge. That, that's a, that is a vast amount of space. Oh, it's massive out there. And you go all day long, and we um, did it by the minute. We would fly up to 480 minutes per day. So that was eight hours. And, you know, usually you'd time out. My logbook lists 20 to 30 landings per day out there. So we would just go, go, go all day long. And I was getting about 140 hours a month out there, which was a little crazy. So you can see how much flying we did. There was about 140, 150 pilots out there, and there were two women. Aha. So the, so the ratio is pretty slim. And that, that really, uh, I don't mean to stop you in the middle of this, but gosh darn, that really speaks to kind of the ratio that one might find, in, you know, elsewhere. Really? Right. It was it, it was uh, very trying out there. I, I had a job, my second job out there. The person who was going to hire me, um, we spoke on Tuesday about um, an interview. We were going to, um, we spoke on the phone, and we were going to, um, I was going to go and see him um, two days from then um, on Thursday. So on Tuesday we spoke, and um, he was the chief, um, one of the chief pilots at the company that he wanted me to work at. And um, the next day, he was killed in an aircraft accident. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to hear that. And well, that must have derailed you. It had to have derailed your plans. No. Actually, there were so many. At that point in time, there were 
so many people dying out there. It was there were so many pilots who were dying out there. It was one of the um, most dangerous places to fly in, in the world. And I'd have nachos one night with one guy, and he would be he would wouldn't be there the next day. I would talk to somebody on the phone one day, and so the problem was is that they eventually did end up hiring me. So what happened in that case was that they took the pilot who had died and they um, put a line through his name and wrote my name on the schedule above his name. Oh, my goodness. And I I took over his schedule. And they also scratched out his name on on his company mailbox and put my name over the top of it. And I can assure you that being the first female pilot at this particular base for this company and going into the exact same schedule as this particular gentleman who had passed on was not a good start. No, because I'm sure he was uh, likely well-established and he had a network of friends. Yeah. Yes. He was a beloved person. He had worked there for nine and a half years. And so he was one of the most senior pilots. And to have me take over his spot was was well, it was awful. <laughs> so um, it didn't it didn't go well. Uh, it didn't go well for me. Um, I think one of the final straws was when um, I refused to take um, twelve sled dogs untethered in the back of an airplane um, without crates, without kennels, and without a handler. Um, I refused to take them without them being tied down or secured somehow in the aircraft because I was afraid one of them would be in heat and they would all ball up in the back of the airplane and upset the CG, and um, they decided, we mutually decided it probably wasn't a good idea for me to continue my employment with this particular company. Yeah, I um, can imagine. It started out bad, and it went <laughs> and got worse is, is what it really oh, happened. Oh, it just, it just went downhill. Um, but, yes, I, I would say that I think that women in aviation, I think that the most important thing is just to keep going. Some of the um, best times I've had are... Um, talking with other pilots and helping them through difficult times and encouraging them when they get down because flying aircraft is just so empowering. It is such a beautiful, majestic, um, strong, and powerful thing to do. And I encourage women to get to that spot, to keep on going. Sometimes those jobs or those positions will be so hard that you just can't see to keep going on. But if you do, you can eventually get there. And um, both my sister, my sister flies the Airbus for FedEx, and she used to be a Navy pilot. And she said she went through some horrible things in the Navy when she was there. And now she just really enjoys her job. But going through those hard, difficult times and going through to the other side and making it through are really just really um, creates strength, I think. Um, really makes you stronger, you know. So those are some fascinating stories, but now give it like what would be what would be a good professional tip for someone that is a female that is just starting out, I mean, would you recommend some type of mentorship and, and, and not to not to steer you in that direction? But we do have 
Women in Aviation, uh, that organization, Women in Aviation International, I should say, and other organizations, or or are you um, available to mentor folks? Yes, I um, am a member of the 99s. I am also a member of the Women in Aviation International group. Um, I was one of the very first, um, I was at the very first meeting in 1990 in Prescott, Arizona. Oh, man, that's um, cool. At the, uh, right. <laughs> and so I was there. Um, and it was just a, it was a great and um, powerful uh, experience to be with all these women. I couldn't believe I was actually with other female aviators. It was just, um, it was, it was a great to know that there were other people out there like that. I do mentor a lot of women in here in Anchorage. I um, am, it, you know, it's always great to, for when uh, new women pilots um, come up to me and they're saying, Jamie, how can you know, how can I, what's my next step? How can I get there? This is what I want to do. This is my ultimate goal. You know, can you help me get there? What can I do to get there? It's, it's always so gratifying to be able to come up and um, have them come back to me years later and say, hey, I took your advice and this is where I am now. And it's, it's a great feeling to be able to be able to help them um, achieve their goals. So you started, so you helped Basically, you helped found. It sounds like the uh, Women in Aviation International. No, it was actually it was it was actually founded in 1990, um, and the mm-hmm. and in 1990 it was founded the Women in Aviation International in Prescott, Arizona, at the Sheraton Hotel, and I was um, I was at the first meeting. There was only it was actually I have a picture of myself with Bobby Trout, who was Amelia Earhart's friend. And so she came to the meeting. There was um, just probably maybe a handful of women there. Um, Dr. Peggy Beatty, um, she was the person who originally founded it um, back then when she was worked at Embry-Riddle in Prescott, Arizona. And um, apparently it's obviously grown from there. Well, yeah, and they offer many, many scholarships for women um, especially, and I'm going to just go drop the website. It's WAI.org for folks who are interested. Yes, yes, it is a great organization, and um, they have wonderful conferences throughout the year that you can attend. Their their largest one, of course, is in March um, every year, and this year, um, in 2018, it will be in Reno, Nevada. Awesome. But it's always, yes, and it will be, um, but I always see people who I haven't seen for years uh, who who are there. Sometimes I'll catch up with people who you know I haven't seen in 15 or 20 years, and you know they'll tell me what they're doing, and it's just, it's uh, great to see that. It really it's it's fantastic. So that's a great organization for folks who are just starting out in aviation, um, females who want to get a, a, a handle on it, and um, uh, WAI is, is a good spot to, to also check on for scholarships that I mentioned very briefly. Um, we're talking to each other now in um, late October, and one of the things for um, WAI, their scholarships, I believe you have to apply by mid November, but they have just tons and tons of them available for folks who are just starting out in aviation as well as um, members who want to further their professional aviation careers. Yes, I know um, I know many women who have won those scholarships and it's really advanced their careers quite significantly. So um, many of the there's numerous aviators up here in Alaska actually who have um, won those scholarships and have really gone far with them. 
Well, let me let me take us backwards a step or two. Um, by the way, for our podcast listeners, uh, Jamie is super super busy this time of the year, and we appreciate you having a few minutes for us. When I initially contacted you, you said I believe you're uh, jammed for about the next twelve to fourteen days. So um, I want to keep us on schedule, and I don't want to keep your clients waiting. But I want to revisit one thing. You said you headed from I guess from Arizona to Anchorage with one duffel bag, and uh, Tell me a little bit about that. Now, you were pretty, you know, you were young then. Uh, you were um, working at the Walmart in that during that general time period. I mean, that took a lot of guts. Tell me about that. Well, I only had enough money. I was making um, the princely sum. Um, Walmart was paying the most amount of money in Prescott at that time. It was $5.25 an hour um, instead of the usual $5. Um, I worked there for a year and a half, and after working there for a year, I had uh, three of the managers come into um, into the office. I at that point in time, it was transferred to the to the cash office where I counted all the um, all the earnings for the day. And they came in and they said, "Jamie, you've worked here for a year, and we've really appreciated all you've done. And so we're going to give you a raise of fifteen cents per hour." Fantastic! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I immediately. Um, thought that six dollars more per week um and so i decided (laughs) that won't buy much aviation fuel at this point i don't think even back then nope (laughs) nope and so at that point in time i decided to start making plans um to move to alaska and i had just enough money to cover a one-way ticket on um a now defunct airline called mark air and i arrived up here in anchorage and it was during the breakup which is the um muddy dusty season when all the snow is melting and i thought it was the most beautiful place i'd ever seen and uh, i asked around at some of the flight schools and they actually allowed me to sit in the back of a cessna 172 with students to observe and so i got to fly around just looking out at the back seat of these of the airplane and i just fell in love and i knew that i had to get a job here and so I applied at one of the flight schools, and within two days, it had gone out of business. And so I had 14 students, and at that point in time, I took those 14 student folders, and I copied them off, and I went to the largest flight school in Alaska, and I said, hi, I'm back here for the third time. I have 14 students. Now will you hire me? And sure enough, I got wow. hired. <laughs> well, you should have. You brought you brought a you brought more than more than a dozen uh, students with you uh, under your wing there, so to speak. I think that's that's saying right. a lot. Yeah. So um, I took a bunch of those students and um, gave some of the other students to some of the other flight instructors, and I instructed there. And I just I just really loved it. It was just really fun. I actually uh, flight instructed in one of the airplanes in 1995 and 1996. And that airplane uh, that I instructed in at that flight school is now one of my flight school airplanes. Is that the the Cessna 150? Yes, it's, it's a Cessna little 150, um, 66281, and it's uh, actually been women women owned um, for uh, a few decades now. And so I purchased it from the old flight school owner, and she had owned it, and so now 
now it's mine. That so it's fantastic. got good karma. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, so that um, I mean, I know we're skipping a few steps, but that really uh, helped launch your uh, your flight instructing career. It sounds like. Um, I know you had the, the other steps uh, along the way. You told us a little bit about, about visiting uh, was it, uh, Bethel all, all the way to the west. And so after, after I left Bethel, Alaska, um, I uh, worked at the university doing their simulators and um, you know, helping with the simulator in the simulator lab and at the University of Alaska Anchorage. And then um, I also was a tour pilot and charter pilot around Alaska calls it, Alaskans call it the mountain, but um, Denali or... Um, and I did tours around Denali, and I did charters all around the state, and uh, I just had a great time doing that. I did that for a few summers and had an excellent time doing uh, that. This is, is a beautiful, beautiful place to fly around. Um, I, every time I, I go to the lower 48, I'm just amazed at the differences in flying between Alaska and the lower 48. It's just a, it's just a lot different. It is. It is. And you, in fact, you illuminated a lot of those uh, when we were um, chatting a little bit about, about night flying. Uh, the flying is so different in Alaska than it is in the 48. Um, and you mentioned things like everything from uh, from radar coverage to, to weather uh, were, were definitely uh, issues and um, safety as well and, and safety of, you know, of a pilot and also the, the aircraft and and uh, safety equipment, so plus density, altitude, and a, and a whole slew of other things that really have to get your attention in Alaska. Right, right. And one of the things that we do um, just about night flying is that we, uh, a lot of the aviators get their night flying in the morning. <laughs> you got to explain that. You got to explain that to to those <laughs> of us in the lower forty-eight. Um, so our night flying, um, sometimes the sun doesn't rise until, you know, 10 o'clock, 1030. And so we can start night flying around, uh, you know, 7, 730. We can do our cross country starting at, you know, 730 or 8 o'clock in the morning and do all our night landings at 9 o'clock in the morning and uh, call it a day. And we're, we're done with our night um, before we even have to go to work. So... Um, yeah, so we can do all our stop and goes, and it's it's really fun. They they've been really gracious over at Anchorage International and Class Charlie Airspace that um, they'll uh, assist my students. I take my students over to do their stop and goes over at Anchorage International between the heavies, so that we can learn about wake turbulence and we can learn about you know how to fly at larger airports. So, um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a great experience flying here in Alaska and having all this great airspace just in a small area. Well, that and the other thing that you mentioned, uh, and you started out our conversation with, you know, talking a little bit about the beauty of Alaska, and um, and one thing you sent to me uh, via email was the fact that you can sometimes have the moonrise and, and sun uh, almost at the same time. Uh, tell me about right. that. <laughs> so when you're, when it's late in the evening, like, um, you know, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, you can actually see the. we have five- and six-hour sunsets up here. And so what happens is that the sun and the moon will be on the horizon at the same time, and you can see them in, the, in the, your same field of vision at the same time. And the first time I saw that, it was really eerie, but now it's just breathtakingly beautiful to see that. And so we have the gorgeous sunrise at long long sunsets um, here in Anchorage in the summertime and in the wintertime we get our northern lights 
And so it's, it's utterly fantastic flying with all these different, um, in all these different time periods throughout the day and throughout the seasons. And it just makes it for a real kind of an adventurous type of flying um, that you really, every, every flight that you take is different. It's just, a, just, just majestic, I think. Well, well, Jamie, it sounds like you're a very adventurous uh, person yourself, and it sounds like you really did not let very many things stand in your way. So uh, kudos to you. Um, I'm going to uh, take it take it back to um, a little bit of the mentorship and a little, little bit more about uh, women in aviation before we close um, this issue of Hangar Talk via Skype. But um, so we've got uh, more opportunities, I think, now for pilots in general because Boeing has – released their 20-year jobs outlook back in July and looking at 640-some-odd thousand potential pilots and almost an equivalent amount of, of uh, aviation mechanics as well as uh, flight attendant crews. So um, for, for folks in general, do you think that aviation uh, is, uh, you know, careers in aviation, rather, are, are better, worse, or about the same as when you started? Oh, goodness gracious. The opportunities now are just um, incredible. They're exploding. Um, if I could have uh, <laughs> gone forward in time and, got, and uh, graduated um, at this point in time, I would be so much farther ahead than um, I was, that I am. But um, I, the, the opportunities available for um, women and men, of course, are just fantastic. The aviation industry is just booming right now, and I am so excited to see where this is going to lead in the next few years. It's just, it's just uh, some great opportunities for people to um, start their flying now, um, continue it. Uh, any rusty pilots out there who want to continue their flying should, should definitely hop on the bandwagon. I've got some people... Um, who, you know, have come out of the woodwork in their 40s and 50s and have decided, I'm going to go work for the airlines, and they're doing it. And so I think it's a, some fantastic opportunities for people who um, used to fly and, uh, you know, gave it up because of economic reasons. And I think that it's a great opportunity for younger people who want to get into it. And obviously, I believe it's a wonderful uh, field, career field for women, too. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on, on all those counts. Um, I'm going to ask you one or two more questions. I know, like I said, I know our time's limited. But um, what about, uh, you know, folks that are in high, middle school and high school that might want to pursue science, technology, engineering, and math? Do you think that would help at all for folks who end up with an uh, aerospace or aviation career? Uh, yes, I believe that um, a lot of the high schoolers there, um, it would be a great opportunity for them to, um, you know, to start their, uh, especially the younger ones, you know, the, the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th graders, 12th graders. I um, have numerous students at my school now who are, they are already licensed pilots. They got their licenses when they were 17 and they're starting on their instrument rating when they're in high school. And so I believe that them getting ahead like that is, um, you know, offers some fantastic um, growth for their career starting out so early. So they can, you know, become captain before they're, you know, when they get their ATPs. So, um, yeah, there, there's, um, up here in Alaska, there's a little bit different scenarios. Mm, there's not very many flight instructors up here. 
and so uh, it's difficult to, you know, uh, nobody's getting their flight and stretcher ratings anymore because the opportunities, um, most of the cargo companies will hire you at 250 hours. And so um, there's not a lot of people getting their flight instructor ratings because, you know, it's another topic. But um, they're getting they they're get they're flight. getting hired out by the um, by the regional carriers and then the, and jumping right off to the major carriers with these pathway programs right. that a lot have uh, introduced as well as there have been. Uh, it's, all, it's almost like football players. There's like signing bonuses and such now. Right. There's not even. Um, yeah. There's not even. Um, they don't even. They don't even get their flight instructor ratings. They just, um, it's 250 hours and they can get hired with one of the part 135 cargo carriers here in in Anchorage. And so there's numerous people, you know, when I was um, back in the nineties, you know, most of the people got their flight instructor ratings to build time, which actually wasn't that great of a thing to do because a lot of people should not be flight instructing. There's a lot of people. That, a lot of people can um, fly. A lot of people can fly, and, and a lot of people um, can teach. And, and it's hard to be a good pilot and a good teacher at the same time. I think that's where you're going. Exactly. Exactly. That's those are. That's exactly what I was going to say. So <laughs> definitely. So, um, but it sounds like there are there are still good opportunities for flight instruction uh, in Alaska. So, for podcast listeners, you know, take note of that. Although we don't want too many to come up that way, Jamie, because we want you to still do well at SkyTrek Alaska. But it does sound like <laughs> it does sound like there are opportunities that abound uh, in Alaska and and the beautiful scenery, although uh, very challenging conditions, as you mentioned. Um, but it sounds like overall, it's just a beautiful place to live and work and uh, and be involved with and also uh, be close to nature up there as well. Yes, yes. I'm um, very lucky to be flying up here. It's just a, a wonderful place to fly. Um, I'm very, very lucky to be able to do this every day and work with awesome students. Well, it was awesome of you to join us for this uh, issue of Hangar Talk, Jamie. And um, I know we spent a little bit more time than we had planned um, on the call, but it was great to hear a little bit more about how you got started in aviation and your encouragement for females that are interested in aviation. You you gave us some great tips uh, about joining the 99s or the uh, WAIs, and uh, we really appreciate that. So um, thank you very, very much for joining us, and we hope to talk to you very soon. Awesome, David. It was wonderful talking with you, too. Have a great day. All right. Thank you again, and congratulations to Jamie Patterson-Sims for the Excellence in Flight Training Award. Thanks. Thank you, David. 